This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we have Crystal Gale Welcome on the podcast. She's a writer, activist, and black outdoor leader. Most recently, she thru-hiked the Superior Hiking Trail with a goal to raise awareness on social justice and environmental justice and support for the organization PGM1. She also recently completed her master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with an emphasis on adventure therapy and adventure education. So we're super excited to have you on. Welcome to the podcast, Crystal. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be on. This is great. Oh, yeah. You have a cool background and you're doing super cool things. So how did all of this get started? You said you're originally from Florida. I I grew up in Florida. I have no background experience with the outdoors, except for like this concept of play. You know, um, we had, I grew up in a town where there was two neighborhoods, uh, one called Tanglewood and one called Greenwood. What split us was a park. So it was like, like, there was like one park in Tanglewood, one park in Greenwood, but there was woods in the middle. So like the two neighborhoods would split up and kind of like, not really like gang up against each other, but kind of like join teams and we would play manhunt in the woods, but you were split by your neighborhoods. And so our neighborhood was a little um, like, kind of like lower, lower middle class and like lower class family and Greenwood, they were, you know, middle class, upper middle class. So it was kind of like this, like, Like that was our outdoor experience, like there. Um, And I was probably the youngest of everyone. So everyone stopped playing. And then I didn't have that play anymore. Um, I just started to read a lot of books and books make me happy, but not like a lot of outdoor books. So like I would do activities 
that had to do with sports like running or basketball, track and field, softball. Um, and then I moved on to college life and moved to New York City. There are not many, there are parks there. They're like hidden parks. So I go to the parks and like walk around Central Park. But um, yeah, so I didn't really have much of an outdoor kind of like background. Um, a long time ago, I got diagnosed with a rare brain disease, intracranial hypertension or pseudotumor cerebri, your uh, body thinks and acts as if you have a brain tumor, but I don't actually have one. So basically my body just thought that I had one. Um, and there are a lot of like symptoms that took place and the way that they treat it is through shunts. So I had a whole bunch of brain surgeries and a whole bunch of shunts. And then eventually I got to one shunt where I was like, hey, I think that the shunt needs to be removed. My neurosurgeon at the time was like, all right, we can remove this, but we may have to put it back in. And that's going to be like kind of crappy if we put it back in. And I was like, okay, let's just remove it. So he removed it. And then I like, I was doing better, like walking a lot, hanging out a lot outdoors, like not really like in the back country or anything so I was just hanging out a lot outdoors being outdoors during that time did you find that that was therapeutic because of that all that surgery and everything what I found to be very therapeutic like during this time period I was living with my parents and every day like I was having problems with the shunt like it was draining too much so I would lay down a lot and then you couldn't get up because if you did like the pressure was too like the fluid in your brain was like too much and you feel like vertigo and so there was just a lot um and every day my dad would like in the morning he would tell me like repeat after me i can i must and i will and i was like okay so we'd say all that stuff and then he would drop me off at the front of like the housing division where he lived and then make me walk back to the house. So like every morning we'd do that. And doing so, there was like a break that I had to take because I would feel sick. And the break was right in the middle of like the neighborhood park that was built into the subdivision that they lived in. And then I would just feel really like happy being in that park. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. There's like something to this park. But I thought it was just like the park itself. Like, oh, memories of childhood, monkey bars. I didn't take it so much as like just being outdoors. I hadn't connected that piece yet. But yeah, um, I had the surgery um, and then I started running again. And then as I was running, I was getting really excited about running, being outside. After um, a half marathon, my first half marathon, it was fun. Yay, Georgia. My friend was like, let's go to this park called Big Trees. It's in, it's in Atlanta. And then we were walking through the park and I saw this tree and I was like, I really want to hug this tree right now. So I hugged the tree and I was like, oh my God, like I feel so great right now. This is amazing. And then I like looked and I'm like, hey, so I'm going to go hike a trail. And she just kind of looked at me and was like, what? I'm like, yeah, so I'm going to go hike like that big trail over in California. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And at that point in life, people just stopped questioning things because the best way to get me to do something is to tell me that I can't. So no one told me that I couldn't because I think they were like, oh, if we don't tell her that she can't, she's not going to try, but I was going to do it anyways. Maybe that's because of what your dad told you. I can, I must, and I will. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Ingrained it in your mind, huh? Yeah. Pops is great. I love my dad. He's <laughs> great man. But yeah. So then I I learned pretty much everything there is to learn about backpacking. Uh, that happened in October and I left for the PCP in April. So And this was what year? Uh 2015 of October and I left for the PCT in 2016 of April. Okay. And you didn't really have any backpacking experience, but you had this realization that you're going to do it. Yeah, pretty much. Hindsight, I could have learned some stuff before I went, but I learned a lot along the way, which is like something that like learning by experience is something that's really good. I learned a lot about like myself, what I'm capable of. I didn't really have to rely on people. So like, of course, you know, like there was always like this sense of like, there's always someone behind me and there's always someone in front of me. It might be like hours or a day or two, but there will always be someone eventually that comes. So yeah, it was a lot of learn as you go kind of thing. And as I started to learn, the more the more I hiked, the more I learned. And the more I learned, the more I loved being out there. And were you fully recovered from your brain injuries at that time? Or was that affecting your hiking capabilities at all? So um, I was doing really well. All was good. And I was like really high in altitude. But I took a break and went to go visit my friends in San Francisco, which put me back at like sea level. So then when I went back to the trail and went back to where I got off at, I was back at higher altitude. Um, and I don't think that I could adjust that quickly. So I started to have some issues and then I had to get off the trail around. Um, I stopped at mile 600. I was like, I can't, like, I was feeling like all sorts of, I should probably get off because if I fall, definitely falling down this cliff and this is not going to work out well. So yeah, I got off around that time. It was good that I got off the trail, but maybe definitely not maybe, but when I go for the PCT again, I'm not going to go visit people in, you know, the Bay. And when you go do it again, are you going to start from the beginning and do it all through or just start at that 600 miles where you left off? No, I'm going to start from the beginning and do it all through because my favorite, like there's this imprint in my mind and it's the windmills and like, 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 I love these windmills. Like it's right before you hit the Mojave. I'm like, I love these. And I, I like, I just want to like go and be in that again and kind of like just sit there again. Now that I have like a different, I want to see like what attachment it is and like just want to sit there and be with that. But I feel like I need everything to kind of like, I need to start at the beginning and like continue through and see where that takes me. Well, that's inspiring because I feel like if I were to do it, I would just be like, you know, I already did 600. I'm just going to start there and go on. But I'm also not a through hiker. So I don't have that mindset either. So then you got back from that trail, the PCT, and was hiking just kind of ingrained in your lifestyle then at that point? Yeah, um, it just became like, it was like something that like, I just did. Like if I had like a crappy day, I'd be like, you know what, I'm gonna go for a hike. If I had like a bad week, um, I was working at 
university unknown. I mean, I don't want to say the name of the university, but it's in Georgia, one of the big universities in Georgia, Atlanta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if I was having like a stressful week at work, um, I definitely hit up the AT. I lived really close, well, not really close, a couple of hours from the AT. Um, so I would just like drive up there, spend like the weekend hiking the AT with my dog, so cute. Um, so I would just like, come on, Karma, or her name's Karma. Come on, Karma, we're just gonna go hike. We're gonna go do this. And I would find like so much peace and just like, just like serenity, just being in my tent, like walking and like, okay, this is something like I can control. I can control the pace. Like I can't control what, like the weather or anything, but I can control like the pace. I can control like, what I eat, things like that. And that's something that just like, it's something that's like freeing and it feels really great to be able to do that. I like that perspective. I can control the pace and what I eat. That's so true. And yeah, definitely something that like every, every hiker adapts to their own capabilities and abilities. And that's a super cool thing that you just said. So down in Georgia, what kind of diversity did you see on the trail? There's not a lot of diversity on, on that particular part of the AT, or at least not in my experience. Kind of like similar to here in Minnesota. Um, it's just not really existing. It's not really there. I, I think that that has a lot to do with like access, like the trail to get to Georgia. Like there's no like bus that's gonna take you there. If you take a shuttle to get there from the city, you have to take like the AT shuttle from like REI. And it's like, I think like $200, even though it's like two hours away. I mean, there's a lot that plays into that. There being a lot of people that don't look like me out there. There are some that do. Um, there are some that do. So yeah, a question about that. So then at that point when you started when hiking really became part of your lifestyle is that when you started to become like a black activist and in the outdoors or what led you to do that when I was on the PCT I felt like I felt like the PCT was like diverse people were pretty cool I had so many epiphanies like if anybody met me I invented I invented adventure therapy like I really didn't like I thought I did Cause I was like, oh my God, how cool would it be if people came to nature and they did therapy in nature instead of sitting in an office and people would just be like, yeah, that exists. And I'm like, no, 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 it's different. So like, I thought I invented it. Um, but then while I was on the PCT, I started thinking about like, oh wait, like I have sponsorship for being on here like people I have like sponsorships so I have like gear but not everybody has that and here it is I have the opportunity to be to choose to be homeless for the six months it takes to hike this trail like this is a choice so it's like not everybody has that opportunity and that's not okay so I would find people who would like people on the trail who like I'm gonna say like I'm woke like I know everything there is to know about like social justice and I'm aware of these things. And I'm like, no, like you are choosing this lifestyle. Like you can go home to a house after this, like you are choosing to be in this tent. And I just started to get frustrated. 
Um, and then as I found out that adventure therapy really does exist, I went to uh, Prescott College, which Prescott is like a dope college where like you learn a lot about a lot. Um, and so um, in the counseling aspect of the program, I learned a lot about social justice. I had a really, um, a really nice social justice professor who like pushed me to like, all right, I get that you know these things, but I want you to tell me why you know these things and tell me why they're not okay and explain it so that other people can understand why it's not okay too. Like you knowing it is great, you know it, but other people don't. So you need to explain that, but also you need to explain it to the field that you're going to work in and find a way to do that. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And so I just started coming up with all of these like thoughts on how that's going to work. And this year I was graduating. Um, I'm working or I was, I feel like it's happening still. Um, I was working um, on my capstone and my senior capstone was a graphic novel that has to do with narrative therapy um, and like the stories that we tell in our stories and how our stories help to shape us but also adventure education. So I was tying in my PCT hike with narrative therapy and also adventure education and the importance of telling our stories through adventure and then George Floyd happened. So what I noticed was at the start of the semester, I had more color in my artwork. So what I was submitting was like really colorful things, but then as George Floyd started to happen. There was more like darkness in my photos or not my photos in my drawings. And I was like, wait, this is not okay. Like something is, something's off here. So I wrote to like my, to my advisor for the project. And I was like, so I didn't complete the PCT hike. So this is where I'm going to end it. And she's like, yeah, it's 86 pages. It's cool to end it there. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, but I feel like it's not complete. And I feel like I'm going to complete it soon. And she was like, okay, no pressure. You're good. And I was like, okay. So then I was just sitting with like all of these images of what was playing in like what was what I was seeing. So like all of the pictures I have are like black and white pictures of like COVID, like police officers, like riots, but none of it was in color. And then I was like, I should color these things. And the only thing that I could color it with that made sense was the color blue. Cause I was like, oh my God, like black and blue. Like there's so much bruising. Like there's just so much to do with blue. And I was just like, wait, I've gotta, I've gotta do something. And now I have all of this time to sit here and look at the news and watch social media and make this happen. And I was so frustrated and like so angry. And all you kept seeing on the news was like, protests protests and like look at all these like hoodlums and all of these bad people and they're protesting and this is angry and this should not happen this way and i was like okay i know a peaceful way that i can protest and like shed light on the same issue but do it peacefully in a way that like hey white folks i know you can pay attention to this because it's something that you like um, did it here in Minnesota where George Floyd, um, George Floyd was murdered. So it made sense to do it here. All of that. Well, yeah, 
I mean, the fact that, like you said earlier, there's not a lot of diversity up on the Superior Hiking Trail or on a lot of trails here in Minnesota. So for you to come up here and hike the Superior Hiking Trail is a super powerful message. And yeah, I like your whole thing about the blue significance. I listened to your little interview with Joe Fredericks when you were doing the trail and how you were saying the blue blazes were just like so representative in your mind of the cops and everything that was going on at the time and still at this time. And it's just a never ending thing, it seems. But I love the way that you've represented it through there. So you came up here. I mean, had you ever been to Minnesota? Had, had you ever heard of the Superior Hiking Trail or were you just like, I'm going to go to Minnesota and hike trails? No, my partner lives in Minnesota and I actually did my clinical internship here in Minnesota. And last, last year for my birthday or her birthday, our birthdays are in the same fall month, probably her birthday. We did eight miles, like an overnight on the Superior Hiking Trail. And I remember I said to her, anybody who does this trail, like the entire trail is like, they're like an idiot. This is too much rocks. Like who would do this? And when I was sharing, I was like, hey, so I'm going to do this. And she just kind of looked at me and I'm like, yeah, I know I said all that stuff, but yeah, I'm going to do this now. So it was kind of like funny having that conversation after I had said, all of that stuff about the trail it's a really it's a really rough trail because I did the I did the PCT and I was like oh yeah this is only 300 miles like I can knock this out like it'll be fine but it's it's a it requires a different like a different uh, mind frame but it's also like a completely different trail in the way that it's a lot of rock climbing a lot of roots a lot of like Uh, I've only done sections of it, but Andy, my husband, who he did through hike the trail last fall. And unfortunately he wasn't able to come in on this interview, but uh, yeah, he said there's some super challenging parts that really surprised him that a lot of people wouldn't think we have here in Minnesota. Yep. I was really shocked. It rained a lot. There was lots of mud and lots of places where I was like, this does not make sense. Like one, why is this here? And two, why am I so short? Cause like the grass was like higher than me and I'm like these hiking poles and I'm like, no, I missed the PCT. I was not anticipating a lot of the trail, some of the trail stuff. So yeah, I thought I could like, I was like, oh yeah, I can knock that out easily. But it was more challenging than I thought it would be. So you started it beginning of July? I started on July 4th part of America's Independence Day, not all of America. Was was that on purpose to start on that day? Yeah, 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 because it's not freedom for all. It's only freedom for some. I saw that you also started your hike at the time that George Floyd was killed. Yep, 8.46. I did the first 8.46 uh, miles, and I did no other miles that day. That was it. And that's you started at the Southern Terminus? Yes, in Wisconsin. So you, you didn't even make it to Jay Cook that first day, probably. Oh yeah. I made it to Jay Cook. Like you make it to just pass. There's like these, this waterfall in Jay Cook. Yeah. Like you make it just past the parking lot and then you're done. It's like, you just randomly stop and I'm like, okay, 
here's where we're going to stop. This is great. Yeah, that's cool. Cause I saw that there was also some other white woman that wanted to start your hike with you. And then you guys had this like powerful, like kind of circle at the end of it. What was that like? Um, so uh, traditionally, whenever I lead hikes, um, usually I take um, black people or black youth into the outdoors. And whenever we start the hike, I, we talk about like, hey, what are you looking forward to? What are some apprehensions that you have at the end of the hike or outdoor activity, whatever we're doing, we circle back up, we talk about what was good. Um, and then one word, what you're taking away from this. Um, and it's the only way that I know to close out, like close out a hike. And so I, I did that. And so I wanted to hear like, Hey, what are you taking away? Like, what's one thing that you got from this? And so, um, that's how I closed out that hike with everyone who came. So that was pretty cool. What was the word that you shared? Um, I think I shared that, um, like maybe something to do with like being an ally and feeling supported by feeling supported that, um, they were there. Like, I'm all about like looking for like symbolism. So like, it was the first time I saw the lady slippers and like they grow, like, I think it's like every 10 or 14 years and they were like in full bloom. Um, everyone who was on the hike uh, was female and most of the movements, major movements that take place are like founded and started by women. And so I was like, oh yeah, it would make sense that women would come out and support other women for, you know, cause that's what we do. Like women, like women supporting women. Yes. 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 Woman empowerment. <laughs> yes. The future is female. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, if the future is female and like black lives truly matters, then that would indicate that the future the future is black females. That's what I did last night. That's what I came up with last night. I was, I finished a television show and someone was wearing that in the television show. And I equated that because again, symbols, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's no time more like now to be making women matter and black women, especially matter. I mean, for sure. 2020 is probably the year for that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be change. So it's time to happen, right? Yep. So like, yeah, tell us about your experience on the trail and talking with people. I know you came across some trail angels and you were just sharing your stories with them about why you were out there. Did you think there was a lot of support out there? Did you ever have people kind of questioning your mission? Um. I'd say that pretty much everyone I met was like, hey, how are you? It's so great to see you. Um, I did have one guy in the beginning who was like, hey, what are you doing out here? And I was like, hey, I'm hiking. And he just kind of looked at me. I just kind of looked at him. And then we were just kind of like, all right, see you later. And then I just kept going. Like, I was like, this is going to turn into a conflict. But it wasn't. He was just like, all right, I guess it makes sense for you to be out here. I guess it makes sense for me to be out here. Uh, everyone was cool for the most part. I had one incident at a campsite that like, I don't even know. It's like- I read your story about this on the trek. It's, it's blown out of, it's just like, it's just a thing. Like I never called the people out 
Like I never called them out by name or anything, but like I was talking about my one experience with the one person. And then it was actually like the second person who was there who has been like emailing me and like, I don't appreciate and like you're lying about this. So like I did get an apology from the initial person. After they read your story in the track? I don't know if she read the story, but she did apologize. And I appreciated her apology. It seemed heartfelt. But then I was really upset by the companion who just like would not stop. Like he just went hardcore, like Facebook, like Instagram, just like, I was like, dude, like, let it go. Like I already got like, just, just stop. Um, But yeah, so that was like my only, that was like a negative experience, but then made worse after, but not made worse because of like the experience, but made worse by the guy. And I was like, dude, like I was cool with just it posting. I was happy that for the response, glad that, you know, she gave it some thought and apologized, but then you're making it worse. And the experience is now magnified and worse than it was to begin with. So it's just like, dude, chill. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the important part that they had time to reflect on it and everything. And maybe for people who don't quite understand that whole story, because we kind of just dove into the afterthoughts of it, they, they can go read your reflection on the trek about that. Yeah, the trek. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How, so did you get the trek to kind of sponsor your hike? No, the trek doesn't, the trek doesn't sponsor. We don't get paid to write for the trek. Um, the trek is kind of like just bloggers and I blogged for them when I was on the PCT. It's just a platform for you to be able to go on there and write about your experience. It'd be dope if we got paid. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a platform for you to just be able to go on there and blog about your experience. And so, yeah, I just used that platform to just go on there and yeah, it's a larger platform than like my website. And also you will not find a whole, like, there is no trek for black people. And if there is, there's not going to be a huge group of people that are going to go look at that and be like, oh, look. Um, so if there was a black trek page, then it'd be dope. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, it does not exist. So yeah, but I mean, good for you for getting out there and writing your story. I mean, cause I'm sure they want like all types of voices in the outdoors. Yeah. For the PCT, my, um, I was talking about, um, the rare brain disease. So it's actually a weird switch to just be like, all right. So before it was medical. And now, like, I think it's been like four years, like four years later, here's how I've grown and my opinions have shifted. It's interesting to like go back and read those and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that was a different experience. And I have grown in these ways since. Right. Cause like when you were doing the PCT, none of this activist stuff was even on your mind at that time. Nope. Not on my radar. Not a thing. Well, it became like, it started to bubble around that time, but yeah, it wasn't a thing. I was just more concerned with, I have this device and people should know that this device has saved my life and made me awesome. I'd like to think of myself as awesome, but the fact that I have a device, not because of me as like an individual, like the device makes me awesome. All of you as a whole. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like more, I was more like, 
the device is like awesome. It's amazing. And I just needed people to know that this device like truly like saved my life and like changed my life for the better. So I was just talking about the device. Um, but then as time has moved on, I realized that, yep, yeah, it's, there's a huge issue. There's a major, major issue and a huge lack. And that has to do with, um, you know, BIPOC in the outdoors and it's lacking and that needs to change. And I feel like I am in a position to help foster that change or like work towards that change. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you said that you're already, you've been leading people on hikes, which I'm guessing you did down in Georgia. And now do you plan to start leading people here in Minnesota? Uh, yeah, I am. That is the goal. I am planning that. I'm in the process right now of writing a grant. Um, there was a grant that was proposed where they were like, hey, we need minority women who are, um, who are looking to start outdoor businesses, outdoor programs to get people outdoors and moving. And so- See, so you're gonna start a business more than popcorn. That's not a business, that's a nonprofit organization. And we will sell popcorn on the side. <laughs> yeah, so I've been working on that application. What, it's like, I never knew about it. No one ever shared it and then Someone shared it like two days ago and they were like, hey, here's this. And I'm like, yeah, I've been hiking. So the application is due in like two weeks. I don't know if you've ever written a, a grant proposal. It's really long. And it's, Yeah, I've heard they are. I've never done it, but I've heard it's a headache. Yeah, so I've just been, that's pretty much what I've been doing post-trail is working on this. I've been working, well, I learned about it over the weekend. So I've just been like, here's the name of my nonprofit that I came up with and coming up with what it looks like and what it would be like. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully that gets off the ground. Um, I can get that started, see what comes of that. And that would be all Minnesota-based? Yep, well, for now, Minnesota-based for now. It might grow and become something more, but um, right now, it's Minnesota based and based on the data that I'm using, the statistics that I'm using to, to like do the target group, like Minnesota is in desperate, desperate need of what I would provide. It's, it's so sad. Um, I pulled from you guys is uh, recently you did a parks, um, your Minnesota state parks did a survey of who uses the trails, who has access to the trails and who comes to the state parks. And it's like uh, black folk who come to your park is like 0.5. And then I believe if you count all of the BIPOC, it's like 5% of your trail is used by BIPOC. And so that's kind of like a disturbing number. Yeah. I know that Minnesota doesn't have a lot of BIPOC people, but still that's well, I mean, in the cities, there's a lot of diversity in the cities. Like we do have plenty of people of color that could be getting out on the trails. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that is a very sad number to think about because state parks are fairly easy to access. But I mean, I know you said the reason that people down in Georgia might not be doing it is because they're so far away. But here, I mean, from Minneapolis, we have state parks that are like 
40 minutes within the cities. But even so, some of those people might not have access to cars. Yeah, no access to cars. Who's going to take them out there? Um, who's going to take them out there? What about, like, like I said, rocks and roots or what's here? Proper footwear. You don't want the kids going out there with like holes in their shoes. It's not going to be good. Um, yeah, proper, proper like weather gear. Like, oh my God, I had a rough time even with your weather. Like I was, yeah, your weather is like in the true sense bipolar. The like, rain, the mosquitoes, the sun, the heat. You have these bugs. What are these bugs? They're, oh my God, mesums, mesum, something like that. You have these weird bugs in it. I don't like them. They're gross. They hurt. And they yeah. have no boundaries they do not respect personal space at all and I'm like please like I respect you go away from me I don't like those but yeah so like there's a lot that goes into just like going for a day hike that like I guess people don't actually consider like water bottles like something to carry a snack like if you're not eating at home like if you don't have adequate meals at home how are you going to bring a snack out on the trail? Like there's more to access than just like being close. Yeah, there is. And like, I think a lot of the people that have never been out there do look at people going out hiking and see them wearing all this nice gear and everything. And yeah, you do need proper footwear. Like that's super important, but you don't need to have all the like top name brand stuff, but I think a lot of it is just education and telling people what they can use and access. I mean, you can go to a Goodwill and get some super cheap hiking pants and a rain jacket. I mean, I'm a huge fan of used stuff. <laughs> Ditto. But hearing that from a white person is like, hey, you can have these hand-me-downs. That's not going to go over well. So what BIPOC need are other BIPOC people who are promoting these things like, hey, it's cool to go out with this. Like like a white person going out and, hey guys, it's cool, go out with this. Like, I know I'm wearing like really totally different stuff, but you're safe to go out. So it's like, that has to do with like um, access to, like access to someone who looks like them, who's able to take them out and like say, this is safe, this is okay. like these things, it's safe for you to wear these like sneakers. I know a guy who hikes in Jordans. He makes me laugh all the time, but I'm like, okay, guy, whatever. But um, on those rocks and roots. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to invite him here. Like, Hey, please come hike. I encourage you to come hike in your Jordans. But yeah, like, like knowing that like, okay, here's a person that looks like me who's telling me this is okay, this is safe, and I can do this, and I think that's also, like, something, too, because it's very hard. I think for me, had someone who was white told me, like, this is what you need to bring on the PCT, I would have just been like, no, like, just defiant by nature. I did volunteer work for an organization in Georgia that has to do with getting um, kids of color outdoors. Um, so we took people to the national park, which um, in Georgia, in the cities is the Martin Luther King State Park, which is just like a visitor center. But we had the kids come to the park and we set up like tents. It's in the middle of the city. So there's nothing. There's like 
no coyotes. Like, it's like, yo, there's no bears. Like you guys are good. Like you're safe. Like the most you're going to get is like someone walking by and yelling at your tent. So like, um, me going by, like we had representatives from REI who were not BIPOC and they had come over and they were like, so we're going to show you how to set up the tent. And I was like, no, you're not going to show anyone here how to set up any tent. And there was like some defensiveness, like why? Like we're the experts. And I'm like, yeah, you're just going to sit back over there. Thanks for bringing the tents. Thanks for donating. But no, they need to see this. And um, it was very empowering for these kids. Like I was like, here's how you're going to set it up. If your tent falls in the middle of the night, no, it's because you're not paying attention. And the kids were like really paying attention. They like put the tents together and they were like, okay, is this right? Are we doing this right? Whereas I feel had the individual helped, like the kids would have relied on that. And then like, well, I can't really do this. And so like, I don't know, they need people that look like them to show them. And that's what it's going to take in my opinion not an expert. Well, and I love that you you're doing this with a group of kids because when you're starting out with a group of kids, then that experience is going to last with them into adulthood and that's exactly what you need to promote for people of color. Yeah. Adult leaders starting young. Yes. Start with the babies, not not actual babies but little ones. Yeah. You know, yeah, I and mean, it's hard to get a baby to set up a tent. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing these kids were like fourth graders, third, fourth graders. Yeah, um, and what was great about that is that we taught them night one, and then night two, their parents came out. So everything we taught them night one, they taught their parents on night two, which was like, there was this one mom who was like, is this going to be okay? And I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> so like it was like we do this each one teach one so like one person teaches and then the next group teaches so like each person's learning and so like we did go back and check the tents because we don't want the parents to have a negative experience but it was just like yeah I hope so I hope you make it through the night yeah well that's so cool that the parents come out because then it makes it a generational thing too because those parents most likely have never camped have never hiked haven't really had those types of experiences ever yeah 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 I did a city hike series where we did hikes in the city so it's like back city parks that not a lot of people know about in Atlanta so we were doing those which was kind of cool for the kids because they were like, this is in our yard. And I'm like, kind of not in your yard, but in your neighborhood-ish, you can get here. Um, but yeah, so I like that each one teach one aspect. So like we teach the babies and the babies teach the adults. It could go opposite too, where you teach the adults and the adults teach the babies. By babies, I just mean younger ones. I just call them babies because they're like little people. Little yes, children. little people, little babies. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. Oh my gosh. So that's super cool. Um, because even here, like in Minneapolis, I don't, I don't know where you're going to be based out of now in Minnesota. Not Minneapolis. Not Minneapolis. <laughs> going to be up in Duluth area? Uh, no, it's going to be Walker, Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yeah, Walker. That's, I don't know a whole lot about Walker. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. I don't know a lot about Walker either. I mean, it seems like a cool town. 
So why there? Is that where your partner was? Oh, no, my partner doesn't live in Walker. Um, It's because of where the school is. I'm going to be working at an elementary school. So it's in Walker. And so I'll be in Walker, Minnesota. And what are you going to be doing at the elementary school? I'll be working for AmeriCorps. Oh, yeah. Doing the reading corps there. Oh, for you. Yay. I, um, I'm a preschool teacher, so I work in, it's in an elementary building, but I work with preschoolers, but good for you. They've, I know like the elementary teachers really appreciate the AmeriCorps people. Yeah. But if anybody's listening and they're in the adventure ed or adventure therapy world and you have a job available, I am open and willing to work pending where you are. I, I just want to plug myself. I hope that's okay. I hope you don't edit that part out. I need a job. No, not at all. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, interesting. It's an interesting field to try to break into. Not only am I female, I'm also black. So when you do these Zoom interviews, it goes from you really like we like your application to yeah, we went with someone else, and it's like why'd you go with someone else? And then when you like Google and you see the person who they went with, you're like, okay, so you went with the white male. Got it. Totally makes sense for your program. So it's, sorry, it's just the reality of how it is, and it doesn't need to be that way, and it shouldn't be that way. No, I mean, that's got to be super, super frustrating, because if anybody, like, looked at what you've done over the past years, they've seen that you, this is your passion, and, like, this is where you belong, We'll see. We'll see. If you're listening again, I'm available for work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, getting into AmeriCorps will probably just give you a lot of experience to start meeting families and talking with families. And the fact that you're going to be a person of color in this child's school where I'm guessing Walker, Minnesota doesn't have a whole lot of diversity. (laughs) No, no, no. There was this nice woman who was like, oh, I'm so happy that you're going to be working here. Like, we need you. Did you get a work incentive? Did they get you from the cities? And I'm like, no, I'm from Georgia. And she's like, oh, did they offer you like a teaching grant? And I'm like, no like ma'am let's stop this right now let's both just end this conversation um but yeah she was really sweet she let me know that um there is an indigenous population there and I'm like I appreciate everyone who tells me that they have diversity by talking about a reservation that's nearby I would like to say thank you and I am aware and you don't have to tell me in advance I am aware Yeah. Yeah. It probably just comes down to people who don't, when a new person comes to their town, a very new face, that's first reaction. A very black face, not new face. And I don't mean black face as in makeup. I mean like black person. They want to tell you that they, they are like, I know other people of color. It's a thing. Minnesota is a special place. Yeah. But the cool thing about being with kids is that that's not going to matter to them unless it's been ingrained in their mind already. Yeah. Kids are a special type of kids are like, unless they are taught to hate, then they're great. No. So true. Like kids, like I've had like black children and they're just like the white children will say your skin's really beautiful, but it's like they're, they notice it, but it's in a different way than what adults will do. Yeah. A lot of the time. And or they just don't even notice it. It's just not 
a difference. Like they are just equal. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, unless if some adult in their life has put that in their mind. Yeah. We, we teach these things. We teach shame. We teach hate adults. We're some, we're some complicated, weird people. Yeah. So I want to talk more about your through hike of the trail. We've had lots of, I mean, we've had a lot of good stuff. Like I love everything we're talking about. It's great. I told you about the tangents. I told you you would have to stop them, but you didn't. (laughs) It's good stuff though. (laughs) Um, so what made you decide to start south on the superior hiking trail? So again, in the symbolism world, people from the south, like it's kind of how the slaves, you know, we moved south to north. So it's kind of like that, the same symbolism. That's the reason. Um, I just decided because like that's in my mind, the way that, you know, freedom takes place going north. Um, and then also all trails go that way. Like 90% of trails go south to north. So that's why you started. And then how long did it take you? It took me um, 24 days. So how many, how many miles per day were you averaging? Um, it depend. It depended on the day and how much rain it, how much rain there was. Um, so I'd say I'd average anywhere from like maybe 10 to about, uh, 14 or 16 and also the campsites, because unlike the PCT on the, um, superior hiking trail, you have to camp at designated site. I would be one of those people who would just find the site and like sleep there, but I am black and I do not want to be arrested for doing anything. So I did not do that. I went to designated campsites along the SHT. Whereas on the PCT, whenever you're tired, you're like, here's a flat spot. I'm going to set up as long as it's not on the trail. No one cares, but here you have to make it to a campsite. So it was like, if I got to a day where I was like, oh, I feel like I could keep going, but I can't keep going 10 more miles, then I would stop for the day. Or if I'm like, I'm going to push through to the next campsite. So it was pretty much pending on campsites and how I was feeling when I got to the campsite. Yeah. And what about the Duluth area? Because I know like the campsites are really hard there. Did you end up having to do a hotel or was there a nice trail angel? Duluth is a special place, a special place. Duluth has a lot of loops and a lot of weirdly marked trails. Um, There was one day where I just spent the whole day just like doing loops. Um, I did meet a very nice trail angel who um, actually worked at Spirit Mountain. Is that the name of the park? Yeah. Yeah, she she was so nice. Um, I met her. She came out to the hike, um, the first day hike. And she was like, yeah, if you need anything, let me know. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I got lost in a loop at Spirit Mountain. And I wasn't the only one because I saw these guys and they had out their cell phone and I was just looking and I'm like, yeah, they're lost too. They're in the, they're, we're both lost in this loop. And so I like call her and I'm like, Hey, um, I'm lost in the loop. And she was like, so kind. She was like, Oh yeah, you can sleep on my porch. And I'm like, great. So she picked me up and then she was like, let's go out. Let me show you where your mistake was. Just come on out. And I was like, okay. So she like showed me where the thing was. She did show me, but that part of the trail was closed on the other end there's like a zoo trail but it's closed but where we came in on was not closed so it was like weird so then the next day I was like hey so I never made it to the zoo but I'm still nearby and she was like all right come out again we'll do it again tomorrow and I was like okay so I went back and then 
um, yeah, I didn't make it all the way. And she was like, come again. And I was like, great. And so we did it again. And so I was like, I called her and I'm like, I actually passed your house now. And so <laughs> I made it. So I spent three nights in Duluth plus the night at Jay Cook. And then after I left, on the fourth night, I stayed at a friend's house. And then I was like, yes, I'm out of Duluth. And I was so happy to be out of Duluth. I was like, this is the craziest part. It makes no sense. And there are too many loops. Well, yeah. And just the trail construction that's going on. And I, I don't know if you were part of the Superior Hiking Trail group, but a lot of the times people will write like trail updates on there <laughs> and what parts of the trail are closed and everything. But yeah, not knowing that, not being from our state, you, you wouldn't think of that. So, oh my gosh, yep. but that trail angel sounds amazing. Yeah, she's so nice. I like her so much. She's so great. Yeah, we're going to go biking, uh, mountain biking together. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm so looking forward to that. Do you hear the sarcasm in my voice? I have never been mountain biking. I own a mountain bike, but I've never been mountain biking. But we're going to go. And it's going to be great. It'll be great. And I mean, here, I mean, Spirit Mountain is kind of a mountain, but you know, you can start out small. Yeah, we're going to start out on a beginner's trail. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to every moment that I fall down. It's going to be great. I'd probably be falling right there with you. I don't do much, much mountain biking either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I know people do like to do it around here. Was she the lady that you were having Dairy Queen with? Yes. Hi, Jane. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah, she's nice. I like her a lot. She's cool people. Oh, Trail Angel there. And then, yeah, went on from Duluth. Um, any other challenges that you came across? Mm, no, no. I mean, there, like, there were, like, poorly marked trails so I did some I did some extra miles did some more loops and then there was a part where um I got off the trail at split split rock yeah okay so I got off the trail um and I was taken into town to switch out my shoes and because I'm like an honest person I wanted to like go back to where I got off the trail and I told the kind people where I got off the trail and they dropped me off, but it wasn't where I got off the trail at. And I was just like, thank you for dropping me off here. And I thought that I could get to where I got off the trail and I could not get back to it because it was like four miles to the left of me. And I was on one side of the highway and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take the Kichigami. Is that how I say that? Yeah, Kichigami. I think that's how you say it. Yep. So I took that for about nine miles and I was like, let's just call it even because I'm not going to make it back over here. So there's like a section, like nine miles that I did on the Gitchigami. I like saying that word trail because I couldn't get back on because um, I couldn't figure it out. Even though like a nice woman at the little lighthouse, she like drew me a map and I was like, okay, and never figured it out. And I was just like, okay, well, cool. I just kept going. You know, I think there is a reroute around that part. If I'm remembering correctly, I like vaguely remember reading this on the Superior Hiking Trail group that there's some reroute around that area too. So maybe it's a good thing you just stuck on the Gitchigami. Yep. And I was happy with that. Yeah, but otherwise I didn't have any I didn't have any issues. Like I was I was content with the extra loops that I did. Like they weren't like 
they didn't throw off my day um, or anything. They were just like, okay, this was, this was special. This moment, I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life and going to keep moving from here. I call them loops, but some of them were spur trails. Yeah, just go out and back. Yeah, I'm really upset by Lookout Mountain. I'm like so disappointed in Lookout Mountain. And the reason why is the day that I went, it was just all fog. And I'm like, what am I looking at? This is nothing. I know. Unfortunately, that's what Minnesota brings us a lot. And I'm like, what am I looking out at? And I'm like, I'm done. I'm just going to walk in silence now. Did you have a favorite part of the trail? Um, I really liked Barrier Falls. I really liked that spur tra- or that like overlook. I don't know why. Like I just stayed there for like an hour. I was just like, this is dope. Again, probably has to do with like symbolism. And I'm like, oh yeah, barriers are falling. Like it makes sense. It makes sense for me to be here because like this is a great place for barriers to fall. And I'm here and I'm helping to make that happen. Yeah, so that was a good part. I did have another favorite part. I gotta think of the name of it. Oh my God, what is it called? Ah, it was great. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. Saw, nope, that was the one I hated. I hated the bog. That that was ridiculous. Like sawmill bog, that should not, there was a part of me that was like, yo, I'm pretty sure it's safer just to swim than it is to walk across (laughs) this. I had this moment where I was like, you know what? I I feel like if my life is going to end, it's going to end with me swimming across this versus me just like walking this. That was unsafe. What? I had a favorite part. It's like where the red, where the red pines start. The red pines start. I wish Andy was here because Andy would be able to tell you exactly what you're talking about. I bet. There, that's the part I like the most where the red pines start. The red pines, all right. So, and then I also, yeah, I saw that you, when you were going through Grand Marais, there was a rally that you didn't know about. Nope. And I wasn't actually going through Grand Marais at the time. I was in Beaver Bay and I never checked my phone because my battery, not my cell phone battery, but the internal part, the battery was dying. It was at like 2% battery life. And it was dying. So I kept my phone off all the time, but I was at an overlook and I was like, yo, this is dope. So I turned on my phone to do a selfie. And then I was like, oh, let me see if my partner has sent me a text message. And then I got all of these text messages that was like, tornado, please, all hikers get off the trail. And I'm like, oh, when was this sent? And it was sent that day. And then um, (laughs) there was this woman named Amanda and she was just like, um, Crystal, would you like for me to come pick you up? And I was like, why? And she was like, would you like for me to come pick you up? There's a tornado coming and hikers have been advised to get off the trail. And I was like, oh, okay. So she came and got me and she lived in, um, she lived in Grand Marais. And I was like, yeah, sure. Come get me. So she came and got me and she was like going to Grand Marais. And she was just like, so we can set you up in the room up here. We're going to go to this protest and um, you can stay upstairs or you can go to the protest. And I'm like, well, what are you protesting? And she told me, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go, but I don't know if I'm gonna protest because you can't stay in someone's house that you don't really know them. You can't just be like, yeah, I'm gonna stay at your house because that's weird. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to the protest. And then I went and it was like a Black Lives Matter. And I was like, okay, yeah. But that's when I had the radio interview or the other 
interview with Joe Fredericks. Yeah. That's crazy. It was like timing was like meant to be. I mean, you were on the trail for the, that reason, essentially. Yeah. 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 So I was just like, all right, cool. So it was just like happenstance. Like everything just happened. I wasn't in Grand Marais. I didn't even stop in Grand Marais on the trail. Like I just passed through it. She just happened to pick me up and then dropped me back off. And they were like, here's where you got off. Get back on. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's crazy because, and did Joe even know that you were coming? He, he, there's no way he would have known. He didn't know that I was coming. And I'm not even sure that he was supposed to be, I don't know. It was just like this weird chance where Amanda saw him and was like, Hey, there's crystal. And he was like, crystal. And he was like, Hey, would you like to do your interview now? And I'm like, yeah, cause I'm not stopping back in Grand Marais cause there was a storm and I want to get done. And we had it. It was like on the spot, on the fly. And I was just like, okay, cool. We can make it happen. That's cool. So did you end up protesting? It sounded like you did. I did at the end. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to, cause I have this thing about like white folks who protest at Black Lives Matters when there's no black people. And I'm like, this is weird. And I didn't know much about Grand Marais. I don't know much about the town. I don't know much about like the demographics or anything. So I was like, yeah, this is weird. I don't really know if I'm going to protest. Um, but I walked over to like the, the street was split and I walked over to the other side of the street and there was this guy um, who um, like had some challenges and he had like a Cabbage Patch doll and Cabbage Patch kids are like, there's this woman, she's from Georgia and she makes those. And she's just like, I was thinking about her and like how weird she is. And I was just talking to him. And then like, he was like, I have this sign and I was like oh okay cool so he had this sign and I was like can I have the other sign because the black light like his sign didn't make sense for me to hold and I was like no I'll just take the I can't breathe one so I took it and I was just like all right cool so I was just like all right so it's actually because of whoever that guy is is why I joined and it was because like we were talking about cabbage patch so whoever that guy is is why I joined so were you the only black person who was there yeah I was the only black person there it was kind of it's kind of weird to be there because I was like wait I want to like kind of gauge to see if the hunking stopped or got more like I was trying to like wait but I wasn't really paying attention before so I was like yeah I don't really know but there weren't any like FUs so I was like well I guess it's fine Well, and I mean, obviously the people who are out protesting totally supported you being there. Yeah. When you went to the protest, did you feel like there was more people like encouraging you and coming up to talk to you? Or did they wonder like, where the heck did you come from? (laughs) Mm, I'm not actually sure because they were like on one side of the street and then there were like a group of people on one side of the street. And then there were like five people on this side of the street. So I walked across the street and one across the street and then across the street there were fewer people and I think those fewer people were just like all right oh yeah wait hey how are you I don't know if they were just like how are you you're black or how are you you're the hiker or wow I don't don't know they're I I don't know what they were doing but I just like the cabbage patch so I was like okay cool I'll be out here how big was that protest Mm, my number's probably off I'd say about 20 people maybe more maybe less there were five people on my side of the street nearly positive I don't know I wasn't really counting Hmm. I know there was the cabbage patch guy 
So then you went and stayed at that Trail Angel's house. Yes, I did. We had French fries. Way too many French fries. Like, I think that they miss they miscalculated my hiker hunger because I kept talking about French fries and like their pan of French fries were, I was like, yo, that's like a mountain of fries. And I don't even think that, no, I can't do this. But yeah, we had fries <laughs> and uh, we had fries, pizza and salad, and like a vegetarian salad, but it was pretty, it was pretty good. I'm glad their son was home because he helped with the fries that I was never going to eat. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they just thought you were, like, starving. I mean, yeah. any, any hiker coming through looking like they've burnt a bunch of calories. Yeah, not that much. <laughs> There's a lot of fries. So what did you eat on the trail mostly? I saw there was, um, who was that that sponsored you and sent you food? Patagonia Provision. Yes. Uh, those were good. They were really good. If you are a vegetarian, you would love that. Um, I am sometimes a vegetarian, but when I hike, I do not want Patagonia provisions because it's like really healthy. And when I hike, I want really unhealthy. I want like Cheetos and I had Cheetos with everything. So you're one of those hikers who brings like chips. Do you bring candy? No, I, so I started out with Patagonia. I was like, you know what? This is great. I'm going to eat healthy. So like for the first week, I was the healthiest person you could see until I ran out of food. And then I was like hungry. And then I kicked into, um, I kicked into food that I wanted. And it was interesting because again, I started thinking about like environmental justice. Sorry, we're going back there, which was when I grew up, I ate like ramen noodles. And I ate that for like substance. I ate that because that's what I needed to eat because it was cheap and that's what we could afford. So like one pack of ramen noodles would last, there were four of us. That's what we would eat. And that would be like, we all split it. And I was like, yo, this is cheap. Hikers love this. And this is like, we brag about having like, oh, ramen noodles. And I'm like, wait, this is like a staple in my house. Like we ate this to like grow up and to kids. We're like joking about this now. And I'm like, wait, what the heck? And it's like, I was eating this stuff and I'm like, yo, this is like straight up garbage and I should not be eating this, especially since I just spent this like first week eating like really healthy. And like, now I'm eating crap. And I'm like, but this is the crap that I grew up on. And so many kids eat this crap as like, like their daily meals. And so I had like some some reservations about eating it. But then at the same time, I was like, I grew up on this. This is what I'm craving right now. And I had a lot of Cheetos and I have perfected the pizza. Um, what you do is you take tortilla. Um, sometimes you can have cheat, uh, the marinara sauce if you want. You put that in, then you put the pepperonis, then you put the cheese, flap it together. Then you put it at the top of your pack. And then if the sun's hot enough, it'll melt in your pack. And then you can have it for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard that one before. So I had a whole bunch of that. I would have, um, like, is this just like shredded cheese you would put on there? No, nah, block cheese. Okay. So you take a block of cheese. Um, Joe from the Superior Hiking Trail Association, she was nice enough to bring me block cheese. I think it's from Wisconsin. That cheese was dope. It was gone in like three days. I wanted to like send her a message and be like, 
could you please meet me at this trailhead to bring more cheese? But I didn't. because That's yeah. so sweet of her. She was on this <laughs> podcast too. Oh yeah, she's nice. I was just like, oh, please send more cheese. Yeah, it was great. So then you take tuna package, right? You know, the little tuna package. So you put Oreos and you put Reese's Pieces and then you put, I don't like your face right now. And then you put Cheetos in it and then you smash it and then you stir it all together. And then you put it in tortilla and then you eat it great best thing ever sometimes you can add cheese sometimes you might not have any more cheese to put on it yeah I don't know about the cheese with the candy I mean (laughs) maybe maybe I'd probably be down for that after hiking it probably would be you've definitely got to try it for for my first couple of days back from the trail my partner was like okay I'm gonna let you eat this crap and then afterwards I was like this is what I want and she was like no we're not eating that you're not eating that and I was like crap so I'm back to a regular diet now She's actually through hiking right now. So that was your partner, like on your social media page, you said you dropped this person off. Yeah, it's kind of like a solidarity kind of thing. But she also, she's also like finding her reason for doing it while she's hiking. So it's kind of like one of those, I told her, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And she had plans to do it as well prior. Um, So it's kind of like one of those, I'll figure out my true reason for going while doing it and she's like kicking butt I'm like yo you need to like slow down and do something she's like kicking out 20 miles a day I'm like yo chill like calm down go slower see something I don't know (laughs) she's just like one of those focused I'm gonna get this done yeah her trail name on the PCT uh was kick-ass did you guys hike the PCT together nope we never met on the PCT ever. (laughs) We met at school. Um, She attends the same school as me. She does equine therapy and I did adventure therapy. She likes horses. Super cool. Yeah, 20 miles a day. I wouldn't wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, me neither. That's why we didn't hike together. (laughs) Special person. I love that you guys like are both, both did it, but did it at different times, like one after the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't have done it together. Different pace, like, we'd probably be like, no, I don't want that. Like, wait for me. It would probably be me more than her. Why'd you leave me? Why didn't you wait for me? And like three days later, she'll just be like, uh, I'm like here. And I'm like, I'm not even close to there. Yeah, it would just be me like crying a lot. I can't believe you're so much faster. Yeah, we're definitely different paces. (laughs) definitely good that we did separately (laughs) yeah my my husband and I are different hiking paces too he's like I want to get this done I'm gonna go fast I'm ready but sometimes he just sits down and he'll he'll wait for me he's learned that he he has to wait (laughs) (laughs) but yeah not extreme pace here Mm -mm. yeah when when we did that the the overnight on the superior hiking trail she like did like four different spurs while I was just doing like the straight. She was like, look at this photo. And I'm like, I didn't see that. And she was like, yeah, that was on the spur. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm glad you had fun. We are not, yeah, we're not the same pace at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. That's great. But you guys still got trail passion. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have similar interests, which makes it a meaningful relationship. It makes our passions are aligned which is good yeah yeah Yeah. just not your pace yep (laughs) so 
Tell us about the PGM1 organization. It's the people of the global majority in outdoors, um, nature and the environment. And PGM1, I do not work for PGM1. I feel like that is misquoted a lot. I don't work for PGM1 because PGM1 is, they believe in environmental justice and social justice together. I'm like, yo, this is an organization that I love and it's one that I want to support right now um, because I believe that environmental justice and social justice go hand in hand. And while we're doing this work for social justice, we also need to fight for environmental justice as well. And so uh, PGM1 was like first on my radar when I was like doing this hike. And I feel like everything that I raised for this hike should go to PGM1 for that reason. So PGM1, I went to the summit um, after the PCT. I was like really bummed and like kind of depressed that I didn't finish the hike. And it was like the first time, the first year that PGM1 ever had their summit. And I got a scholarship to attend the summit. And the scholarship included like airfare and like, um, like housing. And I was just like, okay, in the actual summit. So I got to go to the workshops and like everyone, it was just like a whole space just for BIPOC. That was it. And so I got to just be immersed with like people of color in the outdoors and like it's so much like positivity and like so much like this is the work I'm doing. This is my passion. And to find so many other people who look like me that were passionate about the same thing that I was passionate about. It was just like amazing. And so I was in like this, um, like this like sharing circle and everybody was sharing like their experience and I was sharing and I was still like in like the depressed mind state and I like I was still happy to be there but then I was like explaining to like everyone I was like I was hiking the PCT and I only did 600 miles and that was really crappy and this woman like looked at me and was like you need to reframe your story and I'm like I only did 600 miles like that's true and she was like yes you did 600 miles. How many people do you know can say that they did 600 miles on that trail? And I was like, yeah. So the story is the same, but reframing it and having a different perspective of it, I was just like, yo, like being there, like changed so many thoughts and ideas and being supported by people who look like me and having that, like having that support and having like that network of people. So like, if I have questions, like the guy who hikes in Nikes, like I have questions, I'm like, hey guys, like having that available, like that's what, that's what we need. Like, hey guys, I have this idea. Can you support me in this? What do you guys think about this? Like having those people that I can reach out to. So when everything went down here in Minnesota, I was like, Minnesota's like white. And I was here with my partner here in Minnesota, it's just a very small town. And I was just like, everywhere I went, like there's Trump signs. And I was just like, this is not the space for me. And I was upset all the time. Um, but I would find like respite in like going for walks around here. Um, and so PGM1 started hosting just like black spaces like just black people like come and talk and so I was on in Minnesota no 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 sorry online and they were like everyone come like black come talk and I was there and it was just like so many black 
faces. And it just so happens that the group that I was in, like, it was like one large group, but then they broke us up into smaller groups just so that we can talk and share. And the group that I was by chance put in was like a woman from um, Connecticut, a guy who was living in like Utah. And we were all like in really small rural spaces where we were like only blacks. And it was just like, like tears were happening. Like there was just like moments. And what we all found in common was our connection to both the trees and water. So I was like, oh yeah, Minnesota has trees and water. And then I like, it started getting in it. And then I was just like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I've had all of these hours to share with all of you. Thank you so much. And then I was like, yeah, PGM1, that's an organization that I want to support. Again, tangents with you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just like, I'm going to do this hike. And I feel like PGM1 should benefit in some way from it. So I was just like, if I'm going to do this hike, I want someone to benefit and I want it to be PGM1. So along the hike, do you feel you raised awareness for it? And did a lot of people donate money? Um, I would like to assume that a lot of people donated money. Again, I don't work for them, so I don't yeah. know. I do know, I do know, um, I received an email from the director, co-director. There are two of them, co-directors, like when you joined whatever yeah. there's two of them so I received one that was just like hey Crystal we want to sh- we want to share with you like one of the impact like messages of someone who donated so I got to read that and I was like oh yes I am hiking for a reason so it was really sweet what the individual wrote about like visibility and how important it was for me to be out here and they were thankful and that person donated in my name so I don't actually know who wrote it it was like Crystal is doing like all of these things, but then made it an anonymous donation in my name. So I don't actually know how much money I raised. I have no clue at all. Yeah. And that's fine with me. Well, and you know what? Like, yeah, maybe that was the wrong question for me to ask about the money, but like just the fact that like at least someone donated and like you made an impact, you were out there spreading the message that at the end of the day, at the end of the hike is what mattered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had never heard of the organize- organization, so now I know about it. Yay, PGM1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it has been interesting because the hike is over. And so sort of my fundraising efforts are over to a degree. So it's like the message is still there. Like people can still donate there, which is cool. Well, with the hike being over, what are your next steps? I mean, you're starting this nonprofit that's going to sell popcorn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but what other, what other next steps do you want to take in the social justice world and the environmental world with your degree? Right. Um, so nonprofit has been at the forefront of my degree. It's been what I wanted to do. Nonprofit wilderness therapy, wilderness healing space. Um, and so I'm working on that grant application. Um, So that's what I'm working on. Hopefully that comes through. We'll see. Otherwise, I am working with my professor from the graphic novel to work on a graphic novel for this current hike that I just finished. So it's interesting because I kind of have the beginning because I have all of what the black and white that was from the other 
graphic novel. Because like the beginning is what motivated you to do this hike, essentially. Right. So kind of like the beginning is already drawn, so to speak. So yeah, that's a thing. So So I'm working on that. I'm sorry, you drew these pictures yourself, like hand drew them? Well, yeah, on the iPad, but hand drew them. Procreate, it's an app. Not that I'm promoting Apple, it's just the app that works. But you don't consider yourself an illustrator? Because like in your biography, you you don't write that you're an illustrator. Oh, uh, no, I don't. Um, (laughs) I draw sometimes. (laughs) I can draw if I sit down and do it, but I don't want... Like, there's a lot of pressure to do that. <laughs> like, it requires work. Well, it's more work than I want to put into it. Yeah, I was just really happy to have that opportunity to do it. <laughs> and at the end of my counseling program or at the end of the program, um, it's something that I like to do, not something that I want to be paid to do long term. Got it, got it. Because it's more about the story, not about the illustrations. Right, right. <laughs> That makes sense. Illustrations are just a little side gig. You can't can't master everything, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't do it all. I mean, but when you said that, I was like, wait, you're you're a writer and an illustrator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I dabble a bit. It's a thing. Yeah. It, happens. it keeps life exciting. All these ra- hobbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to have yeah. hobbies does I dabble in a lot of stuff too and then realize I'm not so great at some things yeah but you have to keep trying those things because you never know yeah you never know what you're gonna be good at unless you keep trying it's so true and like when people say they're bored I often just wonder like well dabble in something creative then yeah 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 go play with cans you'll be surprised what you can make out of cans (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So true. So true. Entrepreneurs. Yes. At their finest. <laughs> oh, do I have an opportunity to give a shout out to my actual sponsors for this hike? Yeah, please do. Great. My sponsors from this hike are Tarek, Patagonia, L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. I love L.L. Bean. I'd like to say that. Um, Sawyer Products. Granite Gear, which is a company here in Minnesota. Yay. I feel like I covered everybody uh, in Patagonia Provisions. That's pretty incredible. You had a lot of sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go you. How on earth did you get that many? What's your secret? (laughs) My secret is this. Um, I asked. Patagonia has been a sponsor of diversity, Black Lives, since for forever. And they were at the PGM1 Summit. So I was like, I remember taking a photo with like, this. I was doing this welcome series where for 365 days, all I did was take pictures with the word welcome everywhere, like new word welcome. And there was this woman with a Patagonia tent and the tent said welcome. So I took a picture with it. And then for this hike, I was like, oh yeah, Patagonia was at the PGM summit. So I wrote to them and they were like, hey, yeah, we'll send you some gear for this. You don't ever have to mention us. And now I'm mentioning them because I like them. Um, And so I was like, yeah. And then LL Bean, in terms of like, in terms of like diversity, or like in terms of like inclusion, I've never ever been to an outdoor store in my life where I have not been followed around the store as if I was going to steal something 
until I went to LL Bean that I didn't know was like an actual brick and mortar store. I thought it was just an online store. And I worked at a girl's camp in Maine and I went to LL Bean and I walked in and the woman at the front door was like, here's a, here's a cart. If you need anything, ask anyone. And I was like, okay, they're going to follow me around. And no one followed me. I was in that store for like three hours and no one followed me. And I was like, I love this store. I bought so much stuff because no one followed me. And I was like, I love it. And like, I have hips, like their clothes fit. I just love LL Bean. And so I was like, here, LL Bean, here's what I'm doing. Will you support? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, cool. And Arteric, they're just like this like Canadian company. I'm like, I am hiking to Canada and I would like your sponsorship for this. And they're like, yeah, we're doing like, we are all about diversity in the outdoors. We got you. And I was like, okay, thanks. I like how you throw it. I'm hiking to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I think Sawyer was just like, we don't want you to die. So here's some stuff. Please don't die on this hike. Please filter your water. (laughs) Granite Gear was like, yo, we want you to have a pack because we want you to put your gear and some stuff. Um, And then Patagonia Provision was like, we don't want you to die of starvation. So it was just like, here's all this stuff. So it worked out well. So I feel great about those sponsors. They're people I support. That's really cool. I mean, that's a lot of sponsors you got. Yeah. (laughs) And I, yeah, that LL Bean supports women like that. And like the fact that you go into other stores and feel like people follow you is not so cool. Yeah. I really, man, I love them. I'm sorry. I have a lot. I have like so much unnatural love for LL Bean. Like all of my friends, all of my white friends are like, you do know that LL Bean is like for like white women that hang out and like go day hiking and stuff and I'm like no I don't think you understand like it's an unnatural obsession but I really love them and I don't know if it's like that yes their clothes are comfortable but also too I have like that positive memory and it's not just that one time it's every time I've been to a store so that speaks to like that speaks to like their company protocol like that speaks to their culture at their store and I feel that, and I feel that welcoming, and I feel that, so I want to spend my money there, because, like, that's, that's inclusive, like, that makes me feel good, that makes me want to spend my money there, I'm sorry, I just really loved my experience, and experiences, all of them. Maybe you should have L.L. Bean just sponsor you in life. <laughs> Dear L.L. Bean, please sponsor my life, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that works. All right. Well, so cool. This has been fun. (laughs) Yeah, it has. I would like to say that my favorite color is not blue. Despite all the blue blazes? Definitely not anymore. No, I'm just kidding. My favorite color is green. It's always been green. I think it's because of my dad, but I just feel like I should tell people my favorite color is not blue. I just feel like people should know that. Oh yeah. You ended your hike at George Floyd's memorial. I'm guessing you didn't hike from... (laughs) From the Northern Terminus to the Memorial. I'm guessing you got no, definitely got a ride. Um, so as I'm looking out first, it rained all day. So I'm really mad that I'm not mad. It's great that my pictures show like this, like wonderful view of like happiness. And I'm like, it rained even as we were hiking up there. And I was just like, this is some crap. Um, 
So as I'm like hiking, I'm like carrying my hiking poles and I'm like using them. And there's like so much symbolism again in that. Um, and like how like hiking poles, navigation, like there's so much and there's like so much guidance. And I'm thinking about all the times that I tripped along the way and how these poles and I'm like going and I'm like, this says a lot. Like, I don't think that I can end here. I don't think that this is it. So make it to the top and I'm like, all right, I'm going to see how I feel when I get up there. So I make it, the log book comes before you get to the actual summit. So I'm like, I'm signing the log and I'm like, okay, does, does this feel complete? And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll go up. So I go up. My partner's like, I have this for you. So I open it. It's my diploma. And I'm like, yes, great. It's my diploma from Prescott. And I'm like, yay. And then I'm like, wait, diploma's good. This doesn't feel complete. And I'm like, I did this entire hike in honor of George Floyd. I need to go pay my respects. I need to go there. So I went to the George Floyd. I'd met a woman on the trail and she had told me that she lived in the area and that if I was ever going to the cities to like give her a call. So I like sent her a text and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to drive to the cities. You want to meet me? And she was like, yeah, sure. So we go. And like the moment, like I walk into like that area, like I'm just like filled with so many emotions. And I'm so happy that she was one of those people that could just like with that heaviness like she just sat with it and I was just like so many tears and like so much and I was like I was like oh this journey like I left my hiking poles there because I'm like all right so that one trek is done but the journey's not done but I need to leave this here I left my hat too there was like this quote and I was like oh expedition here have my hat um and then I left the poles but I got to the site and I just started Falling. I was like oh my god like not only did this start a movement but oh my god America like this is this is messed up and then I was like white people y'all are like screwed up and then I'm like police department y'all are screwed and I just cried and I was really thankful that she could sit with that but then also it was just like oh it was a lot and I was like okay this is where this part of this journey is going to end this is where this trek is going to end so I was able to like end it there. Yeah. And before you said that you didn't have plans or like you weren't sure if you were going to go there to end it. I mean, it sounds like you needed to do that. Yeah, I definitely did. I needed that. I needed that release and I needed to know kind of like I needed to understand why I was doing the hike, like to actually get a sense of why. And I'm glad I did it after instead of before, because I think had I did it like had I gone before. I would have just been pissed throughout the entire hike, like all of those memories, like it would have been different. Whereas as I was like kneeling to like pay respects, I thought about like each time like I had fallen or like each time like I'd slipped and I was just like, okay, so like I had like ancestors or like spirits to like lift me up. And I was just like, okay, so many symbolisms there. And I was just like, okay, I have to, I have to just sit here. Yeah, that's that's a lot of symbolism all yeah. in hiking. I mean, hiking has so many struggles. Yeah. As it is does. the world has a lot of struggles too. Yeah. With your North Country Trail in the background, I was uh the North Country Trail runs um by where my partner lives. It's like right here. So yesterday I was taking the dogs on the trail. Um my partner has dogs and I was taking them on the trail. 
and we were hiking and it dawned on me. I was like, you know what? All police officers should have to go through some sort of like backpacking journey for at least a week before they're able to become police officers and they should do it with no guns. Like they should have to survive for at least a week because it takes a lot to like survive in the wilderness. It takes a lot to be out there for a week. Like you have, it tests your sense of like judgment. Like it does a lot. Like that was Test your fear. Yeah. Test everything. your hunger. Yep. Your navigation. <laughs> yep. Make smarter decisions. Like you don't like, I don't know. But it wasn't very scary on this part of the North Country Trail. Like the dog was just like rolling in crap because that's what dogs do. Why? I don't know. Yeah, that's what they do. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It was really good to have this conversation with Crystal because it brought a whole new perspective and outlook to the situation. It was a very peaceful way that she was out protesting because the truth of the matter is when this whole George Floyd thing started, there was a lot of not peaceful protests and people were outraged and going crazy. So it was refreshing to hear that there was someone out there peacefully protesting and using the trail as a means of their protest. I like how her hike had a lot of symbolism to it. I thought it was really neat that she went the 8.6 miles that first day. It was just a very significant, meaningful, and powerful way to get a point across. I enjoyed listening to Sarah's conversation with Crystal as well. And I feel like it made me think differently about, you know, how some people on the trail perceive others on the trail. Sarah and I being white, we may just kind of take things for granted while we're out there. Absolutely. Like we go out there and nobody ever really questions what we're doing or why we're out there. It's just kind of normal for white people to be hiking. Yeah, especially in the areas that we hike. And it really made me kind of step back and put myself in her shoes and just kind of realize that different people go through different things, not only on the trail, but through life. And we're seeing that really unfold before our eyes this year with all the things going on in the media and just people's opinions on how to resolve those. And some of them being very radical opinions and radical stances, but you know, I think we can all understand where some of that is coming from, too, and just how how outraged people can be when they have just never seen change. It always gets talked about, but nothing ever results in change. So, with that said, there was one thing that really stuck out to me when Crystal was talking to Sarah about some of the roadblocks that people face in accessing the outdoors. And she mentioned during that segment that she knew a guy that was hiking in Jordans and she thought to herself when she got to the Superior Hiking Trail, you know, I'd really like to see him come up here and do and hike in those on this rocky, rooty trail. And it just brought me back to my first backpacking trip on the Superior Hiking Trail and how I set out to 
just kind of use what I had. I mean, there were a couple things like a backpack and a sleeping bag that I had to buy, but everything else, I just used what I had. I went out there in tennis shoes, and yeah, my feet were sore at the end, but it's just kind of one of those things that struck me as you don't necessarily need to have all of the gear. You can make some adaptations and use some things that you already have. It may not be the most enjoyable experience, but like I surely enjoyed it. I was just a little bit sore afterwards. So after that trip though, I found out that I really liked it and then I invested in some more gear throughout the year. If you do find yourself thinking like, oh, I'm not going to get out on this trail or I'm not going to be able to go out backpacking because I don't have all of these things that they see on YouTubers having or that you would find at REI or another name brand, you know, piece of gear. All I'm saying is you don't need to have all that necessarily, especially if you're just trying it out. If you're just thinking, okay, I want to try this out. I don't want to spend a lot of money, or maybe you don't have a lot of money to spend. Borrow some gear if you can. There are places where you can rent gear, or you can kind of do what I did in the beginning and just use what you have or kind of create some of your own things. And then when you get back from the trip, like in my experience, and I fell in love with the experience out on the trail... I decided to make it a goal of mine to save up for some more expensive gear, some more name brand stuff, or at least some gear like hiking boots, even if they weren't the top tier name brand boots. At least I had some well-fitting gear. Then once I got out on the trail again, it just became more and more enjoyable. And after my through hike of the Superior Hiking Trail... And I think I might have mentioned this in the previous podcast where Sarah and I talk about my thru-hike experience on the Superior Hiking Trail. If I were to do it again, I would go and purchase some lighter weight gear. So next time you're out on the trail and see someone who looks different than you, get to know them. Get to know their story. Get to know why they're out there. And it might just surprise you. They're probably out there for a really inspiring reason like Crystal, who's a really good author and has some really cool stuff going for her. You can check out some more of Crystal Gale Welcome's work at her website, crystalwelcome.com, or you can find her writings on the trek. We'll have links to those in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening. We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.